I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. I am speaking to you from the chairman's room at the Fen, South Bermondsey. Earlier today, the mural ambassador handed Mr. Ian Holloway a note requiring him, with immediate effect, to begin winning football games, scoring goals, and to take a more logical stance in his football tactics and public utterances. I have to tell you now that no such undertaking has been received from Mr. Holloway, and consequently, he has been relieved of his football duties forthwith. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtung Millwall. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to the weekly misery fest that we call Achtung Millwall. My name is Nick Hart. Well, the king is dead, long live the new king, club legend, and there really is no other word for him. Neil Bomber Harris is in charge for the remainder of this god-awful 2014-15 season. A campaign that will live in infamy thanks to the mess created by the outgoing Ian Holloway. A man who by the end had become a drag on everyone and everything around him. For me, the sight of this desperate man clinging onto the car crash wreckage of our beloved football club for his £1 million payout was unedifying. And our chairman, John Berrelson, deserved better than that for the loyalty, financial backing and trust placed in him. Listeners, all football management careers end in failure, but honestly, good riddance all the way. So in today's show, we top and tail with reaction to yesterday's 2-0 loss at the Macron Stadium. First up, we feature our Northern correspondent, John Shipman, with his match report from the Bolton game. We then analysed the short but disastrous reign of King Ollie with Mill-supporting journalist Neil Fisler, followed by Achtung's very own statsman Craig Griffiths. Finally, we close out with Derek King and I considering both Neil Harris. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. ...and Millwall FC's future in the wake of near-certain relegation and the debacle that this season has become. Big welcome to our Northern correspondent, John Shipman. Thanks for coming on the show, John. Pleasure, Nick. Well, no fairy tales today, mate, was there? Two new loss up at Bolton. You you were there. What did you make of proceedings today, John? Um, much improved. Yeah. Um, all, all quite positive. Um, as much as you can say that in the light of a 2-0 defeat, a, a team in the bottom half of the table. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not expecting miracles. I don't think anyone's expecting Neil Harris necessarily to keep us up. He's in there to steady a sinking ship. And today was better, you know, a step forward in that direction. So uh, we mustn't grumble. Um, from seeing he'd, he'd gone back to 4 4 um, which, like it or, or not, a lot of people have been calling out for this season. Certainly the one up front hasn't been working for us. So no, it hasn't. It hasn't. That's true. That was a step forward. Um, and from the off, we were pressing a lot better. Um, there were more balls going into the box earlier, so we were playing the percentages. Right. And I can't help but think if we'd done that all season long. Uh, you know, yeah, I don't want to sit here and knock Holloway. He's, I actually think he was a decent fella trying very hard, but um, it didn't work out. And I can't help but think if we'd been playing the percentages rather than the uh, the passing football season, we might have got a few more results than we have done. Yes. So good to see us pressing and throwing balls into the box and that sort of thing. So uh, good step forward in that in that respect. That's an interesting point. Um, I, I think you're right, John. I, I think that um, Holloway, for, for whatever reason, all season was stuck on this single striker, semi-premier league approach. It's, it's, it's like we were Chelsea, wasn't it? Um, trying to play. Oh, it began this way that we we're trying to play a you know a modern style of football, as it was called. And I think you're right. This, this kind of conventional four four two. I've I've just noted it down from Maldo's tweet feed here. Um, I'm guessing Upson and O'Brien playing as the uh, the wingers come wider midfielders. Um, if we'd have done that all season, we might have won as many as we've lost almost. Yeah, it's easy to say with hindsight, isn't it? I mean, I'm not necessarily of the belief that four four two will see you progress in the championship, but. At the same time, knowing now that we're down the bottom of the league, um, maybe it was would have been the right thing to do to try and nick a few goals here and there. Um, it, the, the possession football's all well and good, and it might nick your points where you don't necessarily expect them, but you'd rather a win, wouldn't you? Um, three points for a win is, is worth two draws. So uh, rather a win at the den as well. I mean, the, 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 the style of football we've had has not benefited us at home at all, has it? No, no, it's not. It's not worked. Um, it's. I don't believe it's for a lack of trying on his part, but things got increasingly fractured. Uh, there was no sign of progress. It was. It was getting madder and madder all the time. Um, I think the right decision has been taken. And as I say, I don't think Neil Harris is in there to keep us up. I think Neil Harris is in there to steady a, 
the sinking ship. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so an interesting lineup today, John. Interesting for as much for who wasn't in it as as who was in it. Um, for Brini, no place in the squad for him. Nor Tong, nor Wolford. Yeah, and to me that looks like Harris is saying, "Well, these aren't going to be with us next season, so I'll give players who are going to be under contract at very least um, okay. a go." Yeah, um, Upson Williams in midfield are two permanent employees of the club. Um, Paris Cowan Hall, Cummings was out there. I think at the back it's a bit of a hodgepodge, and um, I think that Hoyveld uh, was in there necessarily because there isn't a great deal of other centre backs available. Um, can't quite explain the Fletcher one, um, but there we are. Maybe showing things in training that we're not seeing. Pos- attitude, possibly. I don't know. Maybe gives a lot in training, as, as you say. I mean, I'm st- I mean again, the, I'm, I'm going by the tweets that I've, I've picked up all afternoon, John. I mean, it sounds like the same old story of um, perhaps even more Millwall pressure, even more Millwall chances than we've become used to, and yet the same old story of, of, of no end result. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I think the difference this time is it got the two and we didn't capitulate. Um, there was a bit of fight in the second half when we were 2-0 down. Now, whether that's because Bolton took their feet off the, the pedal a little bit or maybe just aren't as good a side as we played recently um, remains to be seen in the coming da- the coming games. But, no, we didn't. Um, we didn't capitulate quite as badly as we have done before. Yeah. Um, they went 1-0 up with a... A decent goal. Um, Adam Lafondre got them both, who we know from the past. He's a very good striker. He's in many ways he's the striker we've lacked all season. The goal Absolutely. poacher, the, the the taker yeah. of chances, isn't he? Yeah, one chance, one goal sort of thing. That's, yeah. uh, that's what we've been missing. Um, it, so I'm coming away having lost two 0 I, I don't feel like I don't feel cheated, but at the same time, there was enough in the game that we could have come come out two two really. Um, and perhaps even better. As I say, it's hard to put your finger on it because you don't feel like you've been robbed, but at the same time, the chances were there. Um, certainly at 1-0, um, Neil Dan's their centre midfielder. Yeah. Um, he picked up a yellow card, and then two minutes later, an absolutely definite second yellow card, no doubt about it. Right. If he hadn't had just been booked two minutes before, he was gone. Right. But the referee bottled it, and there's no other word for it. The referee bottled that. Yeah. He should have sent him off. Um and at 1-0 against 10 men, it's a different game. Isn't it? Who knows? Who knows? Um, um, they got away with one then, and then they... Uh, the sort of Millwall goal that defines the season, um, we were up their end um, trying to get a shot away. Nobody taking responsibility for the shot. And within seconds, the ball's in the back of the net at our end. <laughs> and and I, I don't know if there's a goal that will better sum up our season than we'll see that on the championship tonight. It's, uh... I, don't, I don't know why we're laughing, John. It's, it's miserable, isn't it? It's, it's, been, it is. it's been the it same is. story from when you and me met up at, um, at Huddersfield. It was, it was the same story there, the same story every, every game since. I think it's absolutely indicative of the, the problems in the side, namely... No goals, you know, no one taking responsibility for the shot, no pace to track back when it all goes wrong. So uh, it, it was just the, the season in microcosm to me. So um, when that went in, the game was effectively over. But as I say, they did keep going in the second half and got two very clear cut opportunities. Right. Um, two absolute one on ones. The first one went to, uh, to Gregory. Yeah. Um, again, Nothing more than playing the percentages. Ball down the middle. Wasn't dealt with by the uh, the Bolton players. Um, and he was away. And 
I don't want to be harsh on Gregory because I reckon he might come good next season. In the yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. But he he never had the pace to get away from there. It was a one on one with a keeper, but he never had the pace to get away from their centre halves or the power to hold them off. If you see what I mean, He's, he was neither one thing or other as a striker. No. And, it ended up with a ball bobbling around and bouncing off him and into the keeper's arms. He never got the chance to put the shot away. So uh, that was a disappointing one. And then O'Brien, um, who was I was impressed with today, he was one of my, my bright spots, Andy O'Brien. Right. Aiden O'Brien, Aiden, sorry. Aiden, yeah. um, he, he got away in the same fashion. Uh, ball over the top, found himself a bit of space and... He contrived to, well, to me, it appeared to come off the goalkeeper's face and uh, it's a bit of agile luck, isn't it, when the ball's passing <laughs> off the keeper's face and staying out. But, uh, yeah, he, he put it straight at the keeper. And as I say, they could have been down to 10 men and there's two chances there that could have made it 2-2. Two, two. So, um, on another day, who knows? Who but knows, those things don't go for you when you're down the bottom, do they? So, uh, I suppose one of the benefits, and a few people have made this point, but I'll make it on this show, one of the benefits of Ian Holloway resign or being sacked and that didn't resign is that we don't have to listen to his post-match blather anymore after the game. Instead, we've got Neil Harris um, after today's match said he was disappointed, but he saw plenty of positives and it's pretty much backing up what you're saying there, John, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, let's not, let's not run away with that. Yes, they're positives, but we're in a mess. Um, <laughs> we're getting relegated. <laughs> we're getting relegated and we're going to start the season with half a dozen contracted players. So it's sort of Spackman days era, isn't it? Um, Spackman days are back again. But at least yeah. we haven't got Ian Holloway in charge of us. I don't know. It's, it's been... I mean, at the, at the risk of sounding quite negative on an otherwise positive match report, I, I do fear for us next season. I would like to see a manager come in with a brief of stopping the rot and, you know, worst case, preventing us dropping into League Two because... You and I have said in the past, League One isn't made for young players coming through. No, it's a tough arena. It's a very tough arena. It is. Um, we haven't got the journeyman pros. No. Couldn't, uh, we couldn't have got the Framptons and the, that sort of player in the side or the Gary Alexanders. Um, no. Some of them quick. I mean, it, it takes me to the to the main point I was going to ask you and take get your take on it. I mean, obviously Harris has, has stepped into the breach um, in circumstances that no one was planning for, certainly. Maybe it was ex- in- increasingly expected as this season's gone along, but um, this wasn't plan, you know, plan A, was it, by any stretch of the imagination? Um, longer term, I mean, can't really lose, I guess, out of this season. We, 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 we are down all but in all but name. Um, so we can't really go too far wrong in in that sense. Um, for the longer term, John, would you would you take him as a manager, or would you look for that experienced hand on the on the uh, on the tiller? Nick, as we speak, I'm uh, I'm looking up at my Neil Harris signed picture. At the risk of the audience laughing at me as a, a massive twelve year old, I'm looking up at that picture as we speak in the uh, in the study of Shipman Towers. But um, so that the man can do no wrong for me. But I'm not sure he's he's ready for it. He's quite right for it at, the, at this moment in time. Um, my personal view and, and people that have widely differing views is you get someone like Gary Johnson in with a one-year remit of keep us in this division and give us something to build on. Yeah. Because as much as we talk about youth players, I don't think they're quite ready yet. No, they're, they're not. He's been no. thrown to the wolves this season. I think it's been awful how he's been treated. He should be out on loan like uh, Jake Goodman has been this season. We've seen flashes of these young players, but there's nothing to suggest that they've got a full season of League One football in them. Um, no. The damage it could do to their confidence and their uh, their futures is, is quite worrying. So... To me, I think we need a, 
an experienced, steady hand on the uh, on the tiller. I'm not, I'm not talking about someone like Holloway in terms of experience. I'm talking about a, an established League One manager. Knows his way uh, round, basically. Yeah, and, and Gary Johnson strikes me as someone who's a relatively local fella, so will be aware, if only by reputation, of what the club expects. Um, and crucially, will be available and relatively cheap. It does strike me. I mean, we, the, the, the glimpses we've had of the of the youth players that have come into the team over the course of the season in, in, in flashes, they've kind of come in and gone out again in the various moments for for various reasons, known often only to Ian Holloway. But they they as, as talented as they clearly are, and I, I include Sid, I, I include Jack Powell in this, and and uh, Fred when we saw him in the Millwall shirt. They are talented boys. They've clearly. Um, each of them in their different ways got the X factor in my opinion but they do look like boys John don't they um, up against often quite physically powerful men and, and League One's not going to be an awful lot different yeah you, I don't think we can build the old side around the youth next season the season after yeah we're, we're well positioned and one or two of them may come through next year but I don't think we can build a squad around them next season no. um, just feels a little bit too early as I say that's not to knock any of them in any way, shape or form. I'm sure they're all very, very talented players. Um, and we'll go on to good things and quite possibly things well beyond us. But at the moment, I'm not sure it's quite what's needed. So we're, we're, we're miserable but marginally less miserable than we have been previously, John. I think, is that a definition of happiness in some people's measures? I don't know. But it's not... <laughs> It's a strange form of happiness, if so, isn't it? It is. Yeah, coming away from a, a two-nil defeat, not feeling too fed up that you've only lost two-nil is uh, is an odd feeling. But um, the positives were there today, Nick. There were some good performances. Um, O'Brien, Paris Cowan, all when he came on for a little while. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Looked good to me. Um, well, we weren't slaughtered, John. We were. No, that's right. I think that's that's the main thing. The way that we we performed after we went two down. Um, we didn't give up and, and lose four or five goals, so that's a promising thing, isn't it? And well, it's a step forward. It's a step forward from last week. So. I know you, you didn't come down last week for the for the Norwich game, and you know, message you after the after the game. But we were humiliated last week. I don't think you can beat around the bush on that. It was a it was a capitulation. All of those kinds of words are all appropriate. And from what you're saying today, and the, and the reports I've read, it doesn't sound like it was it was a it was a it was a plain common or garden defeat. But it wasn't. Um, you know, total surrender and um, the, the Red Indians running through the camp, so to speak. It was <laughs> that's a, that's an advance, isn't it? By by, it, by it is a step forward, absolutely, and um, another step forward on Tuesday night against Brighton. Wouldn't it be nice to win a Tuesday night game? Um, oh, wouldn't it? Just a, a goal would be a start on the Tuesday night, wouldn't it? Other than the late consolation, yeah. take the lead. Perhaps. Um, I get the I get the feeling we're going to be a little bit tight now. We're going to bomb that ball into the box a little bit more. Um, be a little bit more up and at them and, and hopefully that's what you'll all see on Tuesday night Fantastic, thanks for coming on the show John, I appreciate the report mate that's, that's, that's brilliant No problem at all Nick Achtung, Mailball Change today. Millwall have sacked Ian Holloway, the former Blackpool and Crystal Palace manager, have been in charge at the Den since January 2014 and helped them avoid relegation last year. However, Millwall have lost five of their last six matches and he leaves them second from bottom in the championship. All right, huge welcome on the show now to Neil Fizzler, a journalist and Millwall fan. Welcome to the show, Neil. Oh, Nick, how you going, mate? You're right. I'm good. This is the second time you and me have bothered each other this week, mate, isn't it? We we did a, a depressive conversation on Monday night when Holloway was still in place, 
And then here we are Thursday, and the burden has been relieved at last. That was one we didn't see coming, wasn't it? I think that we both agreed that he'd be in charge until maybe the end of the season. It felt that way, didn't it? It felt yeah. that way. Um, and there was an almighty weight on the shoulders of the club with him in place. Um, and, I mean, in all fairness, the decision had to be taken at some stage. So I guess better now, whilst we still have an outside chance of survival, albeit slim. Yeah, there was a dark cloud over the club, wasn't there? It was, well, it was another horrible atmosphere last Saturday for the Norwich game. But it's a strange timing. Personally, I think they should have got rid of him in January, maybe when we lost the cup tie at Bradford. Yeah. When yeah. the transfer window, I think, was still open at that stage, wasn't it? There was still a chance, Neil. I mean, it, <clears throat> he, he kind of became toxic from there onwards. Each game seemed to be kind of adding toxicity to his, his presence. Um, a very strange um, period in our history in, in many respects. I, I, you know, we, we, we spoke the other night, but I'll say it again. When he first arrived, I, I, I fell for the, um, I don't know what you call it, the hype, the Holloway show. Yeah, well, we were bouncing, weren't we? He was running around the pitch at that Ipswich game, whipping everybody up, and it works. Everybody got caught into, yeah, we got caught up with it, didn't we? Yeah, they? yeah. But then I think last weekend, actually, I was surprised that he didn't get more stick last weekend than he actually got. I think it was probably because most people have buckered off by the end, didn't they? Well, very few people left by the end. Also, he hid out in the, in the dugout, and yeah, he, he didn't put his head above. He the didn't. Pit, no. Did he? I don't, you know, I mean, we, we were talking the other night, and that really was the the end of the line. I, I, although he was, he still seemed to be in place on the Monday, and this led to our, you know, depressive conversation about we're, we're lumbered with him to the end. Um, I, I just couldn't see how it was viable to keep him in place. There was just, it was just, you know, untenable, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I think that when we were talking, I think he was probably getting his P45 from what I've been reading, from what Neil Harris has said. Yeah, it's given us something to look forward to, I think. Yeah. But I think that I, I do think that we'll still go down, I've got to be honest. I, I don't think that the players are there. There's there's not much quality there. But hopefully the one thing it might do is, is it might give a boost to those better players that we've got in the squad, the ones that have been underperforming recently. I think Sean Williams, certainly, since he came back from his second suspension, has been absolutely awful. Hoyd Vell, or whatever he's called, yeah. he, he started off superbly but seems to have been dragged down with everybody else. And hopefully, hopefully having a striker as the manager might be what Lee Gregory needs. It might be the shot in the arm that young Gregory needs because he's missed a few chances. But I think there's something there with Gregory. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it was funny looking at a few um, back clips of YouTube. I mean, some of the defeats that we've had lately. I mean, Gregory has he's not had the rub of the green nearly. He's been very unlucky in front of goal. I mean, I know there's always an argument that he's a striker, it's his business, he's got to score goals. But, but luck plays its part in that trade, doesn't it? And, he, he, you know, he puts so himself in the right position, you know. Yeah, well, so does confidence. Yeah. If a striker's low on confidence, they tend, you know, the head drop, and they're not quite as buoyant, and no. they're not. You know, it's like anybody, I guess. I guess if you, you know, if you're not happy, you know, it affects your performances. And I think that now he's got a superb mentor in Neil Harris, who 
who that season before he actually got can yeah before he got testicular cancer, I think yeah, yeah. probably wasn't a better striker in the country. No, so, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. Yeah. So he's actually got somebody that he can learn off, and somebody that can maybe put an arm around him and say, "Look, yeah, we'll just stick with it." But I also think the Holloway tactics didn't help Gregory. The, the ever-changing merry-go-round, you mean, Neil? Of, of, of one, one week, one tactic, one next week, another formation, another approach. Yeah, but sometimes it was <clears throat> three formations during a game, wasn't it? It'd start, <laughs> start off with three at the back, then he'd start off with... Yeah, but then he'd change to something else, and then, yeah, but then when full panic mode set in, I think it was four up front at some stages, wasn't it? But... Yeah, well, as far as I can see, Gregory isn't a player that can play up front on his own. I think he needs somebody to feed off of, somebody to actually knock the ball down for him, put the ball in the six-yard box, and I think he'll, I think he'll score, score quite a few goals. I agree. I think he'll come good. I mean, this and, and, and Neil Harris has, has gone on the, uh, the the YouTube channel, the uh, Lions Player channel, and probably in more depth, and said that he sees something in Gregory. He he he, he kind of he's one of the few players he is actually named, you know, as as a, as a player that he sees with, with the quality. Um, so clearly, you know, there, there's there's hope for the boy there and it'd be nice to see him come good wouldn't it I, I, I do think he's got that that touch or the potential yeah no he has and he could actually be the key player between now and the end of the season I think I think if Harris can can find a formula of getting Gregory to score some goals and tighten up at the back a little bit I think we need to play with Beavers along with Hoodveld or even Danny Shittu give us the door open for Danny Shittu now Yo. Well, yeah. well, why not? I mean, I, you know, I, I, given the the situation that we're in, I mean, w- w- there is an outside chance of survival. I, I think you're right. I don't think it's a realistic chance. I think anyone that's expecting us to to come good is um, in cloud cuckoo land. But yeah, but exactly. you know, I, I would I would think in terms of bringing Shitu back, he's 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 a he's an experienced international defender, a leader, precisely the kind of personality we've lacked of late. Yeah, well, Hollow Words didn't like him for some reason. There was something happened, uh, yeah, well, I would guess, towards Christmas because he just bombed him out without any consideration. And it was obvious that we'd been getting away with playing Mr. Dunn at centre-half for the last year. I think it worked at the end of last season. He's a wholehearted player, but let's face it, he's a right-back, not a centre-back. I think if a club or a team decides to play a long ball against us and pump yeah. them up there. He struggles slightly. I, mean, I think if you know, it, you know, we're all fans of Alan Dunn and the the the, uh, the in the sense of his Millwall heart and desire and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, I think it was one of the points we made the other night. You and me have Millwall heart and passion, but we wouldn't put ourselves on the field of play. And Dunn, to me, just doesn't look to have the quality at this level now. He's, he's exposed at right back. He's, he's certainly exposed in the centre. Yeah, it, that was one of the. That was probably one of Holloway's Hollowwoods' most mystifying <laughs> decisions to actually play him at centre half. I think he's played virtually every position for the club, bar up front and in goal. <laughs> yeah, he certainly played in midfield a couple of times that I can remember, and he's played all across the back four. But he got away with things, and when he was, I think this season he got away with Jimmy Abdu. At, uh, full back against Nottingham Forest, so he stuck with it, didn't he? And things he's, like that. 
It's curious, curious character in Holloway. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a lover of the sticking plaster approach to football, isn't he? If he finds a player that can do a job in one situation, I mean, Abdu is probably the great example. You know, he, 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 he was thrust into the right-back role, not, not an unfamiliar role to, to the man, and he did well. But Holloway seemed to think, well, that was the future then. You know, he, he did well once, he'll carry on doing well in that in that position, rather than seeing it as a, a one-off Cling on by your fingernails, job, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think at Rotherham away, it showed that he yeah. needed to make a change, and he just didn't make the change. And, and well, I don't know why. I know he had this great saying: "If it's good enough for Sir Alex, it's good enough for me." <laughs> it's it's funny just hearing you use the word hollow words. You 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 coined that phrase quite early on in his intent. I remember thinking to myself when I saw it on your your Twitter feed: "Hollow words." I think thinking myself, oh Neil, why do you keep on this hollow words? You know, at the time he was full of um, the bounce and the and the um, you know the, the Holloway show when he first arrived, and now it, it, I can't I can't see his face without thinking of hollow words. No, it's it's, it's a great tag. <laughs> yeah, well, it's true with him. Yeah, he just comes out with things. Everybody says Ollieisms. Ollieisms, God. And that's the bollocks. It's hollow words because they're just very little substance. Behind it. I know, I know. It was, it was one of those tags that annoyed me when you first coined it, and gradually, bit by bit, it came good, and now I can't deny it. It's, it's a process. <laughs> Just looking at um, news at Denny, they've done this infographic thing, and they've got Ian Holloway's stats uh, one year, or just over a year, January to March 2015. And every time I see his face, every time I'm ever going to hear him, if we, ever, we see him again in football, I'm going to think of Ian Holloway's words. I can't lose that tag. It's a great tag. Um, but yeah, a shocking, a shocking. I mean, just looking at the numbers, Neil, as, as we're speaking here. I mean, it's shocking. I mean, the win ratio, twenty three percent. That is worse than Steve Lomas. I know that. You know, we we mentioned this the other night, Lomas and all that came with him. But that's that's a that's a that's a very poor record, isn't it? Well, considering the amount of money that he's been given to spend, precisely. Yeah, yeah, not been given to spend, but but he's actually been in allowed more latitude uh, uh, isn't he with yeah well with his spending his wages and all kinds of things I know we're not the greatest spenders in the world but but by all accounts we do pay pretty good wages to some players and what he was given the resources he was given is what I'm trying to say Bam. yeah well he was indulged wasn't he I mean he, he had last summer time in which to um right. You know, we, we survived, and we survived well at the end of last season. We had the, the, the kind of iconic unbeaten run at the end, and um, all well and good, and we survived, and that was a great achievement. That's when the changes needed to be made. He needed to make the changes that he made in January last summer. It was it was obvious to all and sundry that we got out of relegation by the seat of our pants last yes. season, and it really was. It was it was touch and go, but he did brilliantly. Yeah, well, another. Yeah, well, I'm probably not his biggest fan, and he might not be mine. No, but he did superb in keeping us up last year. But then his biggest mistake in the summer was when he came out and said that this group of players got us out of trouble, so they deserve another go. Unfortunately, most of that group of players had been getting us into trouble for the last three years <laughs> and getting us out in the last... You were getting us out virtually at the last minute because it was touch and go under Kenny Jacket, I thought, towards the end of that... towards the end of the FA Cup semi-final. 
Yeah, a strange, strangely sentimental attitude. In, in I mean, you know, it, it clearly mentioned, um, you know, Sir Alex, and, and, you know, that's clearly the bar by which everyone measures themselves in football. But, you know, that was not a... Sir Alex Ferguson was no sentimental man, was he? When when players needed to be axed, they were axed. Um, so to, to kind of have this kind of um, rosy-tinted glow feeling where you, oh, the, the boys got us out of trouble last season, we'll, we'll, we'll keep faith with them, is a flaw in, in management, in, in football management terms, because you need to be looking forwards and never backwards. And I think that's actually been our problem for, for umpteen years. There's no forward-thinking plan at the club. You know, most, you know, most people will have thought that the side that God has promoted... Uh, however many years ago it was, yeah. like four or five years ago, six years ago, I think. Yeah. The majority of those players would have been outed over time, but we seem to do it a lot slower than everybody else. Well, we've stuck by them. Robinson only left this year, didn't he? Dunn still there, Abdu still there. Yeah, yeah. League, League One players, you know, yeah. um, without being cruel to them, they they came from League One, and that was where they were probably on playing on on their on their true platform. It, exactly. The Championship now, Neil, is is a is a is a Premier League light division, and and you you can't get by in that in this league. We've it's seen a that. Full place. It's absolutely brutal. You have a look at the teams at the top of the league. You need to actually invest slightly. Yeah, well, we are punching above our weight, so we really shouldn't be surprised that we're in the position we're in. No, I mean the, the statistics still Dan Holloway. My, I mean, I'm just looking at goals scored per game here. I mean, I, I know you can stats, 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 and you know you can make them look look any way you like. But a, a, a 0.86 goals scored per game, so less than one goal per game. Yeah, well, that's why the England cricket teams are shit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could go and manage them. He might have more of a chance. I don't. <laughs> No. Biggest yeah. victory was just a 2 0. That must have been the Leeds game this season and then uh, a couple of 2 0 wins we've had. And biggest defeat, a 1 you know, one 6. That'll be at Norwich on uh, on Boxing Day. So um, it's I, shocking. It's shocking, really, when you look into it. And you'd have thought that, really, given those statistics, you'd have thought the board of them would have acted a little bit sooner, especially after the capitulation at Bradford. Which, by all accounts, led to dressing room confrontations and all sorts. So it actually makes you wonder whether or not he has lost a dressing room quite a long time ago. Which, if that is the case, why did they actually allow it to go on for quite some years, so long as they did? Well, it goes back to what we were talking about the other night—the absent owner, really, doesn't it? I was surprised when I woke up on the Tuesday morning seeing that he'd gone. Well, we were speculating. We what, what the, the reasons why John Berylson might be willing to spend three quarters of a million pounds if it's per month or it's a large sum of money of anyone by anyone's um, measure you know to keep afloat a, a failing football club with indulging a man who's clearly lost the plot some while ago um, so you know lo and behold on, on, on Monday the axe fell and, and that that solved our um, you know our our, uh, our conversation in, in, the, in that way but no I, I, you know that you do wonder the, the, the there is a, a lack of there is a distance between the owner and, and the club, but you also have to come down to the local management, Neil, and and, and the you know decision makers other than the manager because uh, Holloway didn't act alone and neither did Steve Lomas. In all fairness, no, and I think there's one compelling factor there. I think it's yeah, well, obviously Andy Ambler's 
the the common denominator there. I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna sit here and bash him because he's probably got I'm probably <laughs> life can't get any worse for him. <laughs> Executive of Millwall Football Club. If summit's not happening yeah, if summit's happening well something isn't happening one week, you're guaranteed it will be at the weekend, um Yeah, it must be a difficult role. I mean, I, I, I've met Andy a few times and I, I you know, I, I find him okay. I mean I I, I, I won't um I'm not going to sit here and slag him because, um, you know, I wouldn't call him a friend. I've, I've always found him okay towards myself. So you can only speak as as, as you find yourself, can't you? Um, but equally, equally, it has to be said that this has been a sustained, a, a period of sustained mediocrity since promotion, and he is a common factor, Neil, isn't he? Yeah, well, we've stagnated, haven't we? Yeah, it goes back to what we said a few minutes ago. There's no forward thinking, is there? There's no vision. There's no vision, no. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, know. exactly. It seems as if they just live from day to day. I don't know if you ever would have thought that's not a healthy position for a football club to be in. There just doesn't seem to be. No, no. I sometimes wonder what it must be like to be chief executive of Millwall Football Club. You're, I imagine you try and organise it on business lines, and then lo and behold, some drunken brawl will take place at some far-flung northern yeah. hellhole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have to spend the next four days clearing up. At least we haven't got a sponsor that we can upset of. We <laughs> they seem not to exist. That well, <laughs> a ferry company with no boats. I mean, it, it's it, it's deeply funny. In, in, in if it wasn't a serious be deeply funny. So, so they're paid up front. Good riddance to Ian Holloway or Ian Holloway words. I think that's probably the the uh, the, the best we can say. Neil Harris is in charge. I, um, I, 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 there's something of a poison chalice about it. I mean, I suppose he can't lose in the very short term, can he? No, he can't. He's in a. Yeah, well, he can only do himself a great deal of good. I'd have thought because if we go down. He can say, well, I only came in at the last minute, didn't I? And the rot had already set in. Yeah. And if he keeps us up, <laughs> he's suddenly you'll know, be suddenly the hero again, isn't he? And you'll know, still be a hero too. He'll always be a hero. I suppose I he's, he's, all he needs to do is organise a, a reasonably coherent tactical approach, pick players in their positions and um, try and, you know, as we said earlier on, put some confidence in one or two players that have been shot to pieces. Um, the comparison, I mean, you just when you look at Ian Holloway's numbers, I mean, a Sunday Park football manager would have produced some of these numbers, really. You and me would have done by picking, um, you know, using the news at Den Team Finder. You, it, it, would, it would not be difficult to match those numbers. So, yeah, last time I did that news at Den Finder, I think there were three people suspended. <laughs> so we might have lost three points that day. <laughs> so all, all the best to Neil Harris. I mean, he's he, you know he's, he's picked up the, um, the the role and he's got it to the end of the season. David Livermore in in, in um, as his assistant. Um, football genius. Football, well, <laughs> I think of one or two people that sit near me will be you will be having a stroke at the thought of it. But there we go. There we go. Oh, well, yeah, well, with some luck, it will get the crowd back on side. If nothing else, they'll give you know they give Harris certainly a lot more slack than Holloway has got for the last six months. I think increasingly Holloway, the, the, you know, the, the, the wheels were falling off Holloway in the, certainly the past few months. Or so I think Holloway was actually given quite an easy ride. In all in all honesty, he was. The only time I saw it turn nasty was really up at Rotherham. 
Rotherham turned nasty, and and I, th- I suppose to a degree, um, the abuse he took against Norwich, he wouldn't come out of that 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 heart. So, you know, I think I, I wasn't close enough to hear. You know, the, the, obviously the boys in the West Lower might have um, put him straight on one or two two points. Um, so I think is it actually a calculated move by the club to put Harris in charge? <laughs> It can't hurt, can it? It can't. It can't suggested. hurt. Yeah, well, it has been suggested. I'm not saying one way or another, but you have a good luck to him. Yeah, well, he can only succeed. It also, I mean, that the club clearly don't. They don't really do the recruitment of managers very well. I mean, we've seen that in the past couple of appointments. They don't really know what they're doing. They seem to approach it as you might approach the appointing a in a local authority or something, appointing a head of swimming pools or something. It's done in a very kind of collegiate way, and um, you know, <laughs> there doesn't seem to be the ruthless drive to get the man they they know to be the per, the right person. So, well, we're not an attractive proposition, are we? No, we're not. No, no. Yeah, well, I think that when Lomas left, and certainly when Kenny Jacket left, they would. Yeah, well, I know they spoke to people like Gary Rowett, and there was and there are other League One managers that wouldn't touch us with the barge pole. And you think <laughs> you're a Championship club, and but we're just not an attractive proposition. And I, and I think that goes back to the forward planning, and there's no. Yeah, there's no vision, as you say. And I think that probably comes across when people are interviewed. I think we're also a harsh arena. Um, I mean, most of these guys have, have managed or played at the Den at some point in their career. They're going <laughs> to, they, they will know what it's like. They will also have seen and heard the treatment that gets dished out when you fail at the, if you fail abysmally at the Den. So, you know, as, as much as we love it, um, I think as a, as a proposition for those on the outside, no, I, I dare say it's not all that attractive. Yeah, but also by the same token. If you get it right, you're absolutely worshipped. Totally. And you're worshipped for quite a long time. Well, look at Kenny Jacket. There's the yeah, there's the example. You get yeah, it right. Kenny now is, yeah, in the eyes of some people, can still do no wrong. But it started to go wrong towards the end of his tenure. But but well, that seems to be overlooked with with the way that he took us from the bottom of League One to the championship because we were only heading one way before he took over and yeah so well that is a shining example that if you do go down there and you do do well you will be absolutely worshipped i've never known a manager to get the reception that jacket got when wolves came down earlier this season but then again he did do us a favor and he did concede <laughs> goals didn't he <laughs> we, we we love our failures <laughs> even even ones that have left us <laughs> that's fantastic stuff neil i really appreciate you um doing another rerun with me this week uh, this is you will hopefully they'll actually leave neil harris in charge long enough Look, to get this show out at least mate <laughs> yeah exactly yeah they haven't appointed somebody overnight otherwise we'll have to do this again tomorrow night <laughs> Fantastic stuff, Neil. We'll speak again soon, I hope, mate. Cheers, pal. Take care. This is what the Millwall chairman, John Berylson, has had to say. This was a hard decision to take because we very much hoped that Ollie would prove to be the man to take us forward. I would like to thank him for his efforts and in particular for keeping us in the championship last May. 
Big welcome to our regular co-host, Craig Griffiths. Thanks for coming on the show, Craig. No problem. Good to be back. We come to, not to praise Ollie, we come to bury him, mate, don't we? Um, the end in the, it, when it came in the end, it was a bit undignified, I felt. The uh, the final denouement was all a bit tacky. Yeah, there's a, yeah, it was, it wasn't the most glorious of uh, endings for a general. We didn't exactly go down with his ship as much as no. do, a, do a bit of a Lewis Graben and whimper in the, in the, Proverbial toilet, hiding, <laughs> hiding out in the dugout, hanging on for his money, um, like a like a bitter and scorned ex-wife. It's um, it was an undignified end. I just found it a quite a, quite a strange ending. Maybe the, these things always do end that way. I don't know. Now I want to rewind back to that first game. That's um, it was it was quite a quite an astounding game in some ways. The Mill won Ipswich nil match just over yeah. um, fourteen months ago now. I was just looking at the team that day. It's it's quite interesting when you look back. It's not that long ago, but it looks like a different era in some respects. We've got Ford in goal, replaced by Stephen Bywater in the 44th minute. I think Ford was injured. Um, then we've got a back line of Ryan Fredericks, Danny Shitu, Shane Lowry and Scott Malone. Now, that's not a bad back line, actually, is it? When you, when you when review what's happened since, that's not a bad defensive unit. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, some people liked Lowry, and some people some people didn't. Everyone had opinions, but um, Holloway didn't seem to rate him at all. I think Jacket wasn't was quite a fan of him and thought he could develop as a young player, but uh, Holloway didn't seem to be a fan in the end. And he either he picked up too many red cards or was too ill disciplined to uh, be part of Holloway's plans. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Fredericks was on loan. I think from was it Spurs? He was on loan from. I, I can't remember now. But um, so you know, obviously he was transient. But then in, in front of that back four, which I I, I, I thought it just struck me that wasn't a bad unit actually. Um, I put a four four two formation. I can't remember if we played four four two that day. But I've got midfield then um, uh, Nicky Bailey. Um, surprise, surprise, injured in the sixty first minute and replaced by <laughs> by, by Josh Wright. Um, uh, Trotter, Liam Trotter, replaced by Jimmy Abdu. And then on the kind of wings, I put Lee Martin and, and Andy Keogh. Now, again, on paper, that's not a bad midfield, actually. I know that, you know, they don't play on paper, but that's not a bad-looking midfield unit. No, it's not terrible. And, you know, a lot, of those, a lot of those players had had very good spells at the club in different parts, under Jacket and, uh, you know, some... Well, not really under Lomas, but it's not bad at all. I mean, maybe we're thinking that with... Rose-tinted glasses. Well, we are, because, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I am, and I, I suppose I'm, I'm, deliberately, I'm deliberately doing this in a way to be provocative, because up front I put um, Steve Morrison and Scott McDonald. I mean, I, I don't think it was 4-4-2, but I, I, I put that, that formation down out of a misty-eyed sense of nostalgia. Um, now, when you look at that side, um, it was a side that got us into problems. It was a side, in many respects, that had, had done for Steve Lomas. Um, but in came Ian Holloway, and, and it was a, an almighty performance and a 1 0 win. And it was an early high point, wasn't it, in his career? Absolutely. Against, you know, quite. You know, Mick McCarthy's side, they're still doing quite well, which they're not, they're not a bad team at all, especially in this division. So, um, considering we lost to Huddersfield, I think Holloway hadn't quite taken over then, but we lost 1 0 quite disappointingly. Yeah. Um, with uh, Naki Wells, his first game, yeah. I think he scored. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. Really, actually, it was it was one of those ones that cemented, uh, sort of in my mind, at the time that hey, maybe Mill have done it. They've gone and found a manager, and 
the right man. The the right man. The personality. um, I mean, he's certainly the first personality manager that, in my time, and I go back a long way, we've never really had anyone that quite competed in the sense of media profile and willingness to, um, you know, to say things to the press. But no, just as a, as a, as a side, I, I mean, I've written a question to myself here that those names, that side, um, is that any better or worse than the one that was left behind when he he was sacked last week at, uh, after the Norwich defeat four one? I'm not sure. Is it? I'm not sure we've advanced any from that that period. No, he biggest acquisitions that have possibly improved in areas were probably at least at the start of his reign, um, Sean Williams. Yeah. I could say Ed Elkson, but he seemed to fall out of favour with Holloway. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, again, with unless uh, apart from the youth, yeah, it, it's we're we're practically the same team uh, by a different name. Well, we or by different names. We certainly don't look much better off from that 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 starting eleven that day. I mean, the, you know, you're, you're right. The, the old rosy tinted spectacles are on. I, I I do take that point. So that was a one nil win, and that that was almost like the. the that bought him some credit in, in some respects. I mean, we then went on quite a poor run after that. I mean, I'm just looking at the the season. Uh, this is a 2013-14 season. So after that initial one 0 win over Ipswich, we then we got one win at Derby in in March, and we didn't win again from the start of Ian Holloway's reign through until the the run, the the unbeaten yeah. run in in, in April. And we, you know, we, we were getting some stuffings. There's a re- Reading three nil loss. There's a, a loss at, at Burnley, maybe a bit more forgivable. But we, you know, we, we we couldn't buy a win until April when we when we went on the the the, the world famous run of unbeaten games. Yeah, I remember in the, the little mini run of horror that we had. Uh, I managed to go to Yeovil because it's my local game being in Bristol. Yeah, I managed to sneak down there and um, could not believe the uh, shower of shite that I. Had travelled and paid good money to see, and I I travelled much closer than the rest of the fans that were there, yeah. um, and it was unbelievable. I think I remember watching uh, Shitu and who's their who's their massive bloke um, for, for Ishmael yeah. Miller, yes, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, running for a ball, and it was like they were running in slow motion, <laughs> and you saw Scott. I think it was Scott Malone. He must have covered half the field uh, and got past him to win the ball. I mean, it was unbelievable stuff. You, you thought you'd gone to, to Yeovil's park, main park or something and watching a, a kickabout there, you know. Exactly. Um, it's just a park with scaffolding around it. Because at, at that point, we were we were all, and I, I, I know I was certainly forgiving him his mad five-striker moments and the chopping and changing and the, you know what we now come to see as, as the norm. I thought at that stage it was just um, this personality, this wacky, you know, cheeky chappy that likes to shuffle the pack and, and he's, he's willing to throw four or five strikers on when, when the situation demanded it. Little did we know as it, as it went along, that was his regular um, you know, plan B. Yeah, I mean, people complain that Jacket seemed to have no plan B, but then Holloway seemed to <laughs> dish out plan B, C, D, E and F all at once, so it's... It's difficult to. We haven't found a manager with that happy medium for the fans. But, um. Certainly haven't. No. I mean, I've divided his career into eight eight phases here. So we had the initial boost, then we went on the poor run that led us to April, when we were staring relegation full in the face at that point. I mean, going into April, I, th- I think all of us had, had basically accepted the inevitable at that stage, and that we were going to be in League One this season, as as we kind of are now. Yeah, I think uh, I've got it here. After the loss at uh, home to Birmingham, yeah, um, that one. In the, uh, I think we were bottom of the table. 
We were bottom of the table, a yeah. 24th, yeah. Um, and that really did look bleak. I was there that night, and yeah, we, you know, it was, it was one of those the increasing number of must win games that we seem to accumulate where we really, really must win this one, and then we go and get beaten. And that was, that was the moment where I thought, well, we have no chance now. That, that run, I mean, if you're just looking at it now, I mean, we didn't lose a game against Blackburn, Nottingham Forest, Wigan. Yeah. Watford, Middlesbrough, Queen's Park Rangers. But, I mean, apart from Doncaster and Wigan, yeah. that, that's all teams that are heading towards or ha- are now in the Premiership. So, I mean, that's... It was a good run. I mean, I, you know, I don't think we can be... Ta- I, I know we, we, I spoke to Lord Kitchener um, a couple of weeks ago now, and he was, you know, he was saying, well, you have to look at that run and maybe scratch a little below the surface. QPR were in the playoffs and therefore you know, looking to keep away from injury. Um, I think that um, you know you could probably uh, Wigan. I think well, they, they were in a, in a semi-final or something. Like that. I think they were looking to, you know, there, there, there were factors in it that, that maybe reduced the um, reduced the run in, in in terms of its uh, impressiveness. But still, you know, that's that's an eight-game unbeaten run to survive relegation, and, that, and you can't take that away from him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Kitch is right. The the, the the teams might have had their eye on other things and whatnot, had as much to play for. But I'm sure managers don't like to lose, no matter what. I'm sure even these people's second teams or third teams, whatever. Certainly, QPR have enough resources to get a good team, and those players who did play would have been playing for a chance to be a part of that that sort of Wembley run. So, golden golden August dawn, then Craig. We survived against all odds. Um, I think all of us probably went went into the summertime. Feeling quite good about Millwall and possibly quite good about Ian Holloway. In all fairness, yeah, I think there was a. Again, this is my point of view, but uh, when we finished and survived, I think everyone looked to sort of have us push on. Um, some people maybe suspected we were going to win the league outright or make a playoff run or something. I, 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 sus- <laughs> I suspected that, mate. I sus- <laughs> More realistic people would have thought we at least would have pushed sort of, sort of towards the, the upper end of mid-table um, and would make the signings uh, in order to do that. I mean, so, so you know, I personally approach this season, and I hold my hand up, I approached it in a frame of uh, optimistic mind, really, you know. Um, fine opening day win over Leeds, 2-0. Um, admittedly, again, if you scratch the surface, that was a, uh, a Leeds team in disarray at the time, but still, 2-0 home wins over Leeds, you know, that's that's always welcome. Um, and the remainder of, of the month was, well, three straight wins and then that slightly worrying loss at the end there, wasn't it, against Rotherham, um, which was the first hint that the axle was, the, the bolts holding the axle together are starting to get a little bit loose. Yeah, it was... Uh... <laughs> It was a bit reminded me a bit of the the Yeovil game we played uh, the start of the season with Steve Lomas. It was that Lomas made you know quite interesting signings, players that you know if they were still in their prime would have been quite good. And then when we lost the one 0 to Yeovil, everyone started getting worried, and that was the beginning of his demise. It yeah. Seems to be the same with Holloway. Well, we had one one last hurrah against Blackpool. That was the very last. That was actually the last game of August. Two one home win. Um, and then a series of well losses, losses, draws, draws, losses. One one standout win against Cardiff, and since then it's been largely speaking, um, Fifty Shades of Misery, really, isn't it? You know, um, culminating in that awful, awful, disastrous December where we were getting slaughtered left, right, and centre. Yeah, it was. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I remember looking for a quote on the news at Den. I'm sure he said it, where Holloway was bragging that yes, we were we had lost games here and there, but we weren't conceding four or five like yeah. last chap in charge. And then all of a sudden we're getting hit for threes, fours, fives, and sixes all over the shop. So um, it just it just sort of it sort of I don't know how to describe it. It was like a a dam busting, it's, you know, it yeah. just reached the tipping point and then it completely overflow, overflowed. Well, I mean, when you run your eye down the list of results this season, I mean, the, the, the tipping point, we, we had a, um, some say lucky, but we won at Brighton and, and that was in uh, on the 12th of uh, Friday night game, 12th of December on television, I think. And then, But then from then it was just relentless. We lost at home to Bolton and then we were getting smacked left, right and centre. And really we'd never recovered from that. I mean, that, that, that home defeat to uh, Middlesbrough seems to have been the... Uh, that really was the tipping point, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was Holloway's attempt to appease the fans. I, it, it almost seemed... Uh, remember seeing this on half, is it almost seemed that whatever... Uh, post or thread was or, or topic of um, interest was most important on the House of Fun. Holloway seemed to adjust his tactics according to what the popular demand was, and I think that for the Middlesbrough game it was we wanted two strikers up front. Yeah. So we put three in defence and two up front, <laughs> and we got whacked five one. I'd love to know his username. I'm, I'm hoping it's not Crackhaw. <laughs> That's my only uh, my only hope. Um, readers, we... in <laughs> readers of the House of Fun will have to. After the, the, we'll get that joke, but but so it went on, and from there, I mean, the wheels came off. We got defeats in a, in the cup to to Bradford. Um, then we had the Jan, night of the January long knives, where you know the, the half the squad that many of whom he'd, he'd signed himself in the summer were jettisoned or told they had no further future at the club. And then we had a kind of a semi relaunch, but even that didn't seem to to do the trick. And we went into what I've written down here as March Madness, where we're, again we're getting slaughtered left, right, and centre. Yeah, the the January clear out was was actually for me not endemic of Holloway's um, tenure at the club. Was endemic of the club and its running in general. Mm. The fact that we had twenty four players out of contract at the start of the season that for some reason we said that's okay. Yeah. We'll keep we'll keep that gambled, lost the gamble, and then ended up having to spend the money to get rid of these players anyway. Yeah, amateur hour stuff, really amateur hour. I mean, it's almost as though you and me decided to run a football club with no previous experience, and then oh, lo and behold, you know, you can't have all your squad becoming, um, you know, free agents at the end of, of the same season. Um, you're right. I mean, that the problems do go deeper. I, I, I believe than both of the last two managers, as disastrous as Lomas and as really disastrous as Ian Holloway has been. I was just looking at the um, the list of Mill managers. There's an intriguing. Um, I know you're a stats man. Mm-hmm. There's an intriguing list of um, win percentages on on the MillHistory.org site. Um, one or two people have said that you know Holloway has been our most um, our worst manager ever. Um, in actual fact, he's not our worst manager ever. Um, that 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 <laughs> that wooden spoon honour belongs to poor old Bob Pearson, who took control at the end of the um, of the uh, relegation from Division One season. Um, arguably, he's he, he had ten games under his belt, so arguably that makes him a manager in, in the in the full sense of the word. But I mean, then you've got Nigel Spackman um, with a, a win percentage of uh, what's that, sixteen percent. 16 points. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realise it was so high. <laughs> <laughs> David Tuttle. I mean, I mean, Ian Holloway is, is coming in on this on this um, one. 
23% of his win percentage. So that, that's that's above... No, sorry, yeah, 23%. That's above Colin Lee and above David Tuttle and above Dave, Nigel Spackman. So he's not our worst manager. Above him, though, is is the uh, the ginger-headed Steve Lomas. Yeah, the thing with the Holloway is if you look at the context of how they got that position, like David Tuttle, like I mentioned it <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, got 10 goals out of Ben May. Yeah. Like that, that was his squad. His squad, their best player or their, their you know, their, their prolific striker was Ben May. Yeah. Um, Holloway's had a better chairman, a more stable sort of chairmanship, lots of money. Well, when you factor that in, that's that's true. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, just for amusement's sake, I'm, I'm um, looking above at the names above Ian Holloway in, in the Millwall League table. I mean, you've got George Petty. Now, you're, you're too young to know the full import of what I've just said, but George Petty, <laughs> George Petty is a better manager than uh, than Ian Holloway. Peter Anderson, Peter, Peter fucking Anderson. Anderson, Craig is a better manager than Ian Holloway. He's got better numbers. It's incredible. Uh, but these were these were in the dinosaur eras where we were drawing crowds of two or three thousand to Colblow Lane. That's the measure of the failure that Ian Holloway was. It's well, quite... he, he was trying his hardest to get us back to that era. I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's worth anyone listening. Just run your eye over. It. I mean, Willie Doherty, uh, Willie Willie Doherty, Willie Donerkey yeah. is actually quite well placed in this list. I mean, um, you know, he's, he's up near the top end of the table. But the true joy in, in the, if you're into perverse self-flagellation. In the in the lower ranks of this table, but no, George Petty and Peter Anderson um, outscore and outpunch Ian Holloway with with much much less to play with. It. And you're, you're right, the the indulgence of uh, you know John Barrelson has been quite mm. well, quite dramatic, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you like looking at the statistics, if someone offered me David Tuttle with the resources or Ian Holloway, <laughs> I'd actually take David Tuttle, which I think is a terrible, terrible thing to say. With the resources, Jimmy Nickel is a better bet <laughs> well, than Ian Holloway. <laughs> exactly, there you go. George Petty is a better bet than Ian Holloway. Oh, my God almighty. It's been a disastrous appointment. I mean, it, it's... Uh, again, I, I find myself um, perversely drawn to these infographic things that um, Aldo publishes on the news at Den. I was just looking at less than one goal a game under Ian Holloway. Um, 0.98 points per game. It, it just goes on and goes on and goes on. The man was a an unmitigated disaster. It's it was a a typical Millwall big spend, wasn't it? It was a it was in the in the league of the Russians, wasn't it? It was, it was a completely high risk, <laughs> high reward thing, wasn't it? It was a you know we're going to finally do it, but we're going to absolutely cock it up in the best way possible. <laughs> Maybe I should do a badge next season with with uh, Paul Goddard, Sergey Uran, and in Holloway linked <laughs> in some kind of unholy trilogy, you know, like the the, the Guardians of Hell or something like that. Exactly. The, the Millwall Hell, if there is one, that's that's who lives there. Um, no, unmitigated disaster. Um, I think probably that's all we can say and all we want to say. Uh, the quote I like best was on the day that he was sacked. He was gone and already forgotten. Um, it, it might take us a while to forget him, to be honest, but um, certainly uh, good riddance to him, I, I say. Absolutely. He was a man who committed uh, a bit of Harry Curie in that he he talked a very good game, a fantastic game. Unfortunately, he spoke so much that he couldn't back up everything he was saying and ended up contradicting himself half the time. Um, I think his his big bit of downfall, and someone, I think it was Martin Lyon, pointed out on Hoff, is that he did he said all the right things until he said about mentioned about the chairman and said that the chairman offered him 
along the contract and yeah. almost as if kind of sort of a backhanded compliment of John Barrelson. But for me, I think that was, for me, that was the point where he completely lost respect. It was the first disloyalty to John Berylson, a man who um, has backed him to the hill. I mean, I, I, my, I've written a few spark notes here to myself. I've written Holloway, an arrogant little man with little to be arrogant about. Really, is you know, you can only you can only deliver arrogance if you the truly talented can only deliver arrogance, and he, he wasn't truly talented. And also, in the end, he was disloyal to John Berylson, which I think is a, is, a, is a greater sin, really, given the amount of money he was indulged with. Absolutely, very telling that uh, Andy Ambler said about Nigel Gibbs that he was the most honourable man he'd met since Kenny Jacket. Yeah, I picked up on that. Yeah, that was um, an interesting quote. And not, yeah, I thought that was a very sly indication that perhaps Holloway was grinding out for his whatever. It, I've heard as high as one point four million he's getting out of it. Shocking! It's absolutely shocking. That's football. Does that, does, but... that, does that break our transfer record? Are we allowed to have that? Or uh, well, a transfer record is. is <laughs> are it's, we allowed to count it as a transfer record? <laughs> With our usual uh, range of success in the market, yeah, I mean it's up there with the Goddards and the, and the two Russians, isn't it? Um, only, it's, it's, only, it's comparatively more expensive in, in in modern terms. I don't know, but um, only Millwall would pay someone more money to fuck off than to join us. <laughs> And yet somehow, despite it all, we have, you know, the, the, the king is dead, the new king's in place, Neil Bomber-Harris takes over. We've, we've not a great management record. I mean, the last time I saw him, we were, we were getting spanked at South End 4-1 in the, in the, in the pissing rain. But somehow, um, our club being what it is, we're all on a, on a high because um, the club legend has been appointed. They're saying they're not taking any, um, any, any long-term applications. View. Yeah, yeah. And they're just going to see how it plays out, which I think they've probably seen... I think someone mentioned that the um, of the championship teams, the managers, half the people can't recognise who the names are because they've come from relative nowhere. You know, Mark Warburton yeah. was, you know, no one had heard of him a couple of years ago until Brentford came up and he started doing well. He was working um, with finance, wasn't he? He wasn't even a football player. Exactly. Know, you know, he's, that's, that's where he's made his, his mark and his, his money. Um, and you're right. I, I, I also think that this our club doesn't do this very well. It doesn't recruit managers very well. It, John Berylson sets a huge amount of store by his own personal relationship with the manager. We, we're looking for Kenny Jacket Mark II. We need a clone of, of, of Kenny Jacket. And I think that Berylson thought he'd found it in, in Ian Holloway. Instead, he found you know um, a complete opposite, as it, as oh, it turned out. Uh, anathema of Kenny Jacket, really. Totally. I've never, never known anything... So chalk and cheese and all my life. I mean, you suspect it with their personalities, but not uh, necessarily with how the results panned out. Not the. Not the I mean, I, I was going to say the dishonourable way. I, I suppose I have to ask myself if I had a 1.4 million payoff in the balance, would I cling on and cling on and cling on until I got it? Uh, I, I probably might do this. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. <laughs> I probably would strung it like Ian Holloway did. Um, so you know, but the, the, it, it, it all seemed a bit grubby in the end. The hiding out in the in the in the uh, dugout, as we've said, and the, and, the, and the clinging on for a payday. Um, that wasn't Kenny Jacket at all, um, and that was a complete opposite. So. I, I think in Neil Harris, who's known and loved around the club, I, I think the club is hoping that he will, even if we achieve a 50-50 win ratio, win, win one, lose yeah. one, that we can call that some form of success, whatever division we're in. Absolutely. I think he's got nothing to lose. That He's got he's got a job in the under-21s. He, he knows that. That's that's his guaranteed job. Yeah. So yeah. he's got nothing to lose. Um, and these managers have to start somewhere. Sean Dyche had to... Start and he did. He did all right with Watford, but 
he really made his name with Burnley and, and these managers do have to start somewhere and there's no saying that Neil Harris can't be the guy that you know takes us back up it's with good. the right attitude and we seem to be at last uh, sort of sorting out our recruitment structure with this uh, Andrew Mills fella yeah, I was reading the tweets on Lions Live the other night. Um, he seems like an interesting character, and he, he certainly you know says the right things. I think no, reading the tweets, I didn't disagree with anything that I read there. So that's a hopeful sign as well. I mean, it would be nice yeah. to start to see some structure, some vision, and some order at Millwall Football Club. Yeah, my only worry about him uh, is that the manner he got his job. In that he had a con, he was having a, just a conversation with Andy Amber and said it was was talking about how clubs of middle size, you know, need to mm. need to change their recruitment. And Andy Ambler thought he was fucking selling the the, the, the wheel for the first time or something. Probably never thought of it before. It's probably Ambler's local pub. Maybe that's how you get recruited in the football. Well, you, hang, you hang about in pubs and talk to people about football, and that's the way it works. I don't well, know. That, that's it. They, they, apparently, they've done that. And he said after that, he had uh, three or four more more conversations, and Andy Ambler hired him as our head of recruitment. <laughs> I'm thinking, brilliant! You've just talked yourself into a job. I might go to Andy Ambler and see if he. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Say I'm an expert donut seller, and I think donuts are really good for football teams or something. Only at Millwall. Only at Millwall. That's fantastic, Craig. No problem. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show, mate. Appreciate your time. Let's keep let's keep our fingers crossed and pray to whatever God you believe in that we can pull this around yet. Ian's had a horrendous run. You know, October the 25th was the last home victory. He's tried many different formations. He's played. 4-5-1, conceded goals at an alarming rate, changed personnel within that group and still lost games. I think Ian, I have to say, had made a lot of mistakes. All right, big welcome to Achtung Mill to Derek Hannibal King. Welcome to the show, Derek. Hi, Nick. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you, mate. Yeah, talking in the aftermath of the um, 2-0 loss today up at Bolton. I'm trying to think of... Uh, Neil Harris, obviously, is, is, is the kind of, um, you know, the, the king-in-waiting for many people on, on, online. You see a lot of yeah. comments in, you know, in support of him, and he's a, a, clearly a legend. But I was interested to, to hear what you thought about his longer-term prospects. Um, yeah. Got a remainder of the season to go. He's, he's got nine games now after today's loss. In some respects, he can't really lose out of this season, can he? You know, nothing's expected, and we've had an appalling season, so anything above zero, in a sense, is, is a bonus. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think there's always been that feeling that he'll manage the club one day. Yeah. Um, and the question is, is this too early? And perhaps over the next month or so, we'll, we'll get some sort of answer to that. Um, although it would be very difficult to judge him in the aftermath of... Um, what he's got to try and do now. I mean, clearly, it wasn't Plan A, was it? He, he, he was not. He was not part of the planning at the start of the season to be in this position. Um, the original game plan was that Holloway would, yep. you know, succeed to whatever level he was able to succeed at our club, yep. and that, that's that's the wheels have fallen off. He's gone, and he's history. So now Neil finds himself in in this situation. It's a big opportunity in many respects. Yeah, oh, it's worked well for other people elsewhere. You know, sometimes caretakers are thrown into it and, and, you know, and it works well. I mean, you know, there's an inevitability that every time a manager is appointed one day, he's inevitably going to be sacked. Yeah. Very yeah. few survive. And, and 
in the back of your mind, there is always that feeling you don't want Neil Harris to ever manage Millwall Football Club because you never wanted to see him sacked. It, you know, it goes back to the Rhino and Macca spitting stuff. You know, but he, I think he wants the job one day. I'm not sure if he wants it yet, but if he does a good job and gets the support of the the crowd and and the fans and you know starts to see some light at the end of what's been a very dark tunnel, um, yeah. maybe he'll feel that he should just take it on and carry it on because. Sometimes life throws opportunities like that at you. I mean, you've got um, it's, it's, from his point of view. I think it's it's a it's a it's an opportunity to be to be grabbed. Um, in, in, he's got more credit in the bank than he would expect yeah. at any other club. I mean, he is who he is. He is a, a club um, icon in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been thrust upon him. You're, you're you're dead right. He doesn't have a bad track record with the under twenty ones. Really, he seems to, to be good at the developmental side of the of, of the game. And I, and I think we're going to need that because inevitably we're into a period of, of cutting costs, working with young players, working with um, <clears throat> what we can pick up inevitably and trying to put a team together and, and bringing back a little bit of that sort of Millwall pride and passion. I mean, almost going back to, to Kenny Jackett's governors. Yeah. Um, and what better way to do it than with one of those guys stepping forward and... Um, taking the reins i mean there's you know you've got livermore in the background there now um there's rumors well i don't know if it's two and two making six but andy frampton retired from playing yesterday um is said to be potentially a a, a good coach manager in the future and Um, frampton was a man almost you know was the epitome of what we look for in a a Millwall player i mean absolutely limited um, he's also a man who went through a very very tough time when he joined us but won the crowd over with his his wholehearted commitment. And I think almost that's what we need to get back to. Um, yeah, entirely, entirely. I mean, it, it does offer, offer an interesting moment. I mean, he's, he's got nine games left now. I think most of us, and I, I dare say you and I will both be of the same mind that the season is, you know, we're relegated. I don't, I don't, see, yeah. a, I don't see America we, escape this time, Derek, do you? We went down at Rotherham. Yeah, I, I that, think that's, that's fair. That's the game that killed it. If we'd got a result up there, it was all there to play for. Um, it was a miracle, well, actually later than this last year, wasn't it, that, that saved us? Yeah, um, I mean, nothing's impossible. I mean, I, I was interested in his team selection. We, we weren't at the game, so we won't dwell on the, uh, the, the, the blow-by-blow of today. But the, the team selection interested me. I mean, he's gone for a, a basic 4-4-2. Um, is we, that what it was? I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen any reports yet because... Well, I'm going by Aldo's tweet. the four four two, but it did look as if it could have been a four three three. But possible, you know. possible. I mean, yeah. uh, just making my own notes. I mean, I've gone by Aldo's tweet. It's it's four four two. They've lined up so defence. That's Cummings, Dunn, Huivelt, and Harding on the on the left, and then in front yeah. of Cummings, O'Brien, Abdu, and Williams in the middle, and then I'm guessing ups and out as a wider midfielder. Yeah, that's the bit that doesn't work for me. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this, this is it. I mean, there was a, there was a, a post on Twitter. Someone calling for the return of wingers and you know if we're going to go 442 the old uh, the the touchline hugging wingers yeah. uh, and that's 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 a perfectly valid way forwards we don't i don't think we've got the players for that entirely we've got we've got midfielders who could possibly push wider but we don't have any wingers for that kind of approach Derek no i mean as near as we've got lee martin yeah. injured is he still, still. um Wolford. Um, well, 
sure where he was today. Well, this is, an, uh, this is, this is another point. I mean, in, uh, I mean, just to go back to the team, is it um, Taylor Fletcher and Gregory, I'm guessing, as a front two with the, the midfield four or possibly three, as, as you've, you've alluded to. We'll, 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 we'll find out more about that when I speak to John Shipman. Um, but left out of the squad, um, quite interesting choices in, in many respects. Yeah. On, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a level going forwards from here, no Fabrini. Um, yeah, that no, was interesting, yeah. No Tong. Um, yeah. No Walford. Not, not, not even in the, um, on the bench, I don't think. Let's have a look at the... Um, no, not on the bench. I don't think he was, no. No. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, different players have different ideas. There could be some injuries thrown in there. Um, you know, like I said, that, that having I think most of his under twenty one sides played four three three, yeah, variation, yeah, and that's why I wondered if O'Brien was up front and it was a, a fairly narrow three. But you know, the fact is he's got to work with the players that he's got, and and the fact that team selection wasn't a million miles away from what we've been seeing recently. No, um, you know, what more choice has he got? To be frank. Well, he's got a limited range of choice, I and mean, I suppose he's fundamental choice, and he, he can't really make the radical choice in a sense of playing the kids, which I see a lot on yeah. online, and I, I just think that's a little bit of a naive um, option. Until you're until you're effectively so far gone that you are relegated, he still has to work on the the possibility, however remote, that there's a chance of survival. Now that yeah. that to me takes me to the experienced old heads that know how. You know, to win a game of football at this level, <laughs> laughable as that sounds after mm. the season. So I'm guessing that for Brighton, we're going to see something very similar on Tuesday night because that's still a winnable game, and however distant, safety is still just about on the horizon. Well, and also he could do with a home win. You I mean, could, let, yeah, let's face facts. One of the problems that he faces is is that home crowd that's so desperate to see us win a game or two. Um, yeah, and I would say he would like to get out and get at Brighton a little bit, and and you know, as Kenny Jacket used to say, bring the crowd into play. Um, well, so that's a massive weapon that he has. If he if he yeah. does if he does indeed go on to be Mill's manager, and we're talking about next season in League One, bringing bringing the crowd into play is a massive weapon for him, and, and not many other managers will have anything to match that. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've we seen it. I mean, and we've been through the roller coaster in the last 10 years of it, Nick. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, we were howling for the board to go. Yeah. We were howling for Theo to get his hands off the tiller again. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we, we've been through that cycle. We've had a really, really good time. But the crowd is, I think, has been amazingly supportive. I know some people may disagree with that, but we haven't turned on the team. We never really turn on Holloway to any great extent. Only at the very um, end. Only at the very, very, you know. Yeah, well, this is it. Um, he was a dead man walking, wasn't it, in, at he, Norwich? He was, and there was a little bit, but there wasn't an awful lot. I mean, you know, a few people banging on a... Yeah. It, it wasn't a great deal. And and the crowd needs something to grasp on. The yeah. fans need a, you know, to know that the club... Even if it goes down, and it's likely to, that, that we, we have got a, a chance of just steadying the ship and coming back up. And it'll be another long-term project. Um, you know, it's not going to be straight back up. I don't don't believe that for one second. No. I think it'll be very similar to when we went down before. Um, you know, that, that there'll be a clearing of the decks. Yeah, well, we we have what I mean. The, the, the you know the, we have a large number of players out of contract. I don't think it was the mythical twenty four that we had a a while ago. But it will be there will be a lot of the current squad gone very very shortly, won't there? Yeah, but then there's a certain cynic saying that perhaps some of these players will be quite happy with us being relegated because it means they'll get a new contract in League One that which they wouldn't have got in the Championship. 
possible. Um, yeah, I mean, very, very cynical view, but let's just look at players like Dunn. Dunn, um, yeah, the first name when you said that, the first name that leapt into my mind yeah. is who you might have in mind. I'm guessing. Perhaps, but he was missing today. Missing There's today. still a few in there that, that I don't know if Abdu ever signed a new contract, but there was talk he was being offered one. He was being offered one. I mean, I don't know where Ford stands contractually. I'm, people keep saying he'll be gone too, but I mean, I, I thought he'd signed a longer term contract he's, last he, season. I think so. he signed a longer term deal. I think the feeling is that he's still Ireland's first choice goalkeeper. Yeah. And no matter how bad his form has been for us, there might be someone who will look at it and take a, advantage and. You know, take him off our hands, which if he has been paid a huge amount to sign the contract last summer, which one suspects he was, because I gather there was interest last summer. Yeah. Um, you know, it might be that, you know, the, the sheer economics of it come into play and someone offering us next to nothing for him, yeah. but taking a, you know, a 15 grand a week or whatever for the wage. I, I've no idea what his wage is, so I'm just, you know, throwing that figure up there. Take that off the wage bill and get yourself a, you know, a journeyman keeper, or even bring in one of the youngsters. I mean, this this Spurs kid was on the bench today. Yeah, yeah, um, Archer. Yeah, he's clear. I, I think it's pretty clear he's on a trial. Yeah, I, I, I guess. I mean, you know, there's, there's, it, it clearly is not going to feature in Spurs' plans. Um, no. they, they seem to be, um, you know, they're, they're where they are and where we are. Where we are. Um, I mean, I, I'm just as, as you're talking, I'm just thinking about the, the kind of full done and to a degree at even Abdu in in, yeah. in in the middle there. These are all players who have, if we're honest, have been exposed at, at this level. I mean, they, they've each yeah. come up short um, to, to you know greater or lesser extent. Um, in League One, they may not be as exposed. I mean, Dunn particularly, I think, is, is a League One player. Um, albeit ages are probably starting to count against them a little bit. Maybe fooled too, I don't know. But um, they won't look as lost in that, that, no. that step down. I, and I think, you know, where else would they get a job next year? I mean, you know, they'd have seen... They'd have seen well, no, but, you know, we, we joke, but they'd have seen what's happened to Paul Robinson. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, stepped down a couple of divisions, Josh Wright. Yeah. You know, and, and the likelihood is that someone would have picked up our players, you know, Dun and, Dun and Abdu particularly, next season, but it might have been just as likely a League Two club as a... As a as a champion, or well, certainly more likely than a championship club, but just more like just likely a League Two as a League One club, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, Harris does have. I mean, if he, if he can if he can make a show out of the the last nine games, I mean, a, a few wins will probably be good enough to, with the acceptance generally that we're going to get relegated. So even a few wins under his belt will be an advance on what we've had yeah. in recent times. And something like a Millwall performance at home, you, you know, you've identified that already. I think you're right. Um, these these will be powerful arguments in favour of keeping Neil Harris on into the summertime, uh, or beyond the summertime, I should say. Yeah. Now, the question, the question arises to me, Derek, is, is, is that long-term the right thing for Millwall Football Club? Or, or do we need to be looking at the Warburtons of this world? The, the, you know, the, the, the classic name that gets touted. I am. Um, it's a very difficult call. I mean, I think if a manager with the potential quality of Warburton was available, I think it would be stupid not to take him on. Mm. Um, but as a league club, one club, I mean, there's rumours QPR are after him. Right. Um, and, and each time, I mean, the problem I think we have now, and I think there's a more fundamental problem for John Berylson, he put his stall out, employed Lomas. Yeah. 
got it horrendously wrong. Yeah. Um, I think Lomas got a harder time than Holloway simply because of the West Ham connection. Totally. I think yeah. if, if you know if Holloway had done it, so yeah, that's yeah. you know that that's as is. Um, and my personal view at the time, I mean, I've always said Holloway was the wrong manager. Yeah, you said that way back. I remember yeah. we, we had one of our um, roundtable conversations. Oh, I, I don't rate him, and I think he was a spent force after Palace, and I think we've seen it happen again. I think I started warming to him, to be honest, at the start of the season when we had a few good games and, yeah. and were playing some decent football and getting results, and that proved a full storm. But, you know, it's more about the erraticism, the, 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 the blame game, and it was all very, very similar to Lomas. So, it, but... If we had appointed Harris as a, you know, a caretaker manager for the end of last season, mm. like we've done now, and the right candidate had become available at the time, yeah. I don't think we'd have been in the mess we are now. Um, the problem we've got now, of course, is that's two really, really poor managerial appointments that John Berylson and the board have made. Two poor appointments, Derek, and, and it's interesting, the ambition word that you know we used earlier on, by Millwall standards, by our, our limited, you know, small-time um, horizons that we operate within, they were ambitious signings by our standards, yeah. both yeah. in their different ways, and Holloway especially. Um, it's cost us, I, mean, I don't know if the triggers are true, it's cost us a, a million in, in unearned wages yeah. for him to get shot of him. Yeah. Um, that's, that's big money by Millwall standards, and a big loss. And and that is why I do wonder whether John Berylson can can risk. I mean, two two reasons really. Number one, can he risk the financial implications of another poor managerial appointment? Because it's not just the cost of the manager; it's the cost of the players he wants to bring in, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Um, you know, you only have to look at that last time we went down and Spackman was appointed and brought in a whole host of new players. Yeah. And the inevitability is that we're going to see a lot of that this summer. Yeah, it's all. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, we're going to start with a very new team come August. Yeah, um, and I think the other thing, uh, you know, can he afford another gamble to go wrong? Whereas if he gambles by leaving Neil Harris in place, I don't think anyone can question the logic of that. But if he went out tomorrow and got the likes of, I don't know, Justin Edinburgh is a name that's been town. Yeah, it's doing well in League um, Two, I believe. I think, yeah. You know, if you went out and took a risk on an up-and-coming manager again, yeah, or indeed if you went out and got someone like Warnock, who was the other name touted when Holloway came in, yeah, you're, you're, you've got that huge sort of shit-or-bust scenario again, and I don't think John Belson can, can afford another one of those. Um, so Harris is A, cheap, and B, low risk. I was interested by the appointment of the this head of recruitment. I can't think of it. Is it Andrew Andrew yeah. Mills? Um, yeah. Which is a, a different direction for our club to to go. And I don't think we've ever had anything um, equivalent to that previously. No. Um, but it, you know, the Neil Harris appointment. The, I suppose the weakness, if you were, if you're looking at dispassionately, is that Neil probably won't know that have knowledge of the players in the lower leagues, the the kind of market that we're going to be playing in to mm. to draw our talent. Which is where this bloke comes in now, Derek. I would think that he's going to be the identifier of potential talent out there. Yeah, I mean, that said, the bloke's been CEO of a club before. Aldershot, I believe. We have um, Alan Williams, who's been CEO of a club before. Crawley, yeah. <laughs> and we still have Andy Ambler. Yeah, that, Fulham, that, yeah. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't wash by me. Someone's on their way. 
There's, they, they cannot. There's no way a club like us can justify having three such high-profile people in that structure, in that managerial structure. I don't think. Um, only so one, only one king of the kingdom, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, and so it makes you wonder whether someone's going and you know one or two or the you know the other roles will expand somewhat. Yeah. It does look suspiciously like a director of football type role in waiting. Yeah. Um. You know, I always suspected that perhaps Holloway was going to fill that role and that dear old Mark Bircham was going to step up as first-team coach. Um, but, you know, obviously Bircham's gone another way. Yes, indeed. Um, so, you know, maybe we're going to be more of a director of football first-team coach type structure um, and that Harris is really working with the players that he's given to work with. Right. Um which takes out the, the need to have the right stuff in the sense of identifying, spotting lower league or, you know, um, current league talent and, and signing in because that would be somebody else's job and he just picks up the, the personnel he's given in that sense. Yeah, I mean, you remember Harris's role has changed somewhat this season as well because he was, when he first was appointed to the backroom staff, much more the guy who was on the sidelines, you know, pumping his fists and warming people up. Yeah. He then gravitated, you know, the joke was he sat in the, you know, the director's box with his iPad. Um, <laughs> it does make you wonder whether Neil Harris has a, an eye for, for the tactical, you know, how games develop and an eye for a player. And if he's coached our under-21s for the last nearly two years, year and a half, mm. he would have seen a lot of players. And if you remember when we got into this situation post-admin, we had a lot of kids coming through. Yeah. We also managed to pull a few from from you know youngsters who were released by clubs. So we you know we, Livermore was the great example of that. Yeah. Um, picked in a few journeymen. Yeah. Who you know, uh, and we pieced together you know absolutely fantastic team that you know did very very well and and it took a few years to mature but but you know rose us to those dizzy heights. Um, I mean, this is the thing, the, the maturing part of it is, I mean, it, it, I think you're correct. I think League One is a very tough, um, it's a tough uh, ground to be, uh, you know, to be playing on in, in that way because the rewards of promotion from League One are quite high, Derek. Um, Absolutely. But yeah. the penalties for relegation from it, which you have to consider, bottom four, uh, you know, you're down amongst the dead men if you, if you don't get it right there. So it's, it's actually quite a, pro- a tough proving ground. I, I, you know, this is it. I mean, this is why people who think we're going to go down and come straight back up, I think, are being well, deluded, wildly yeah. optimistic. Yeah. I remember what happened last time. I mean, we we went down. Yeah. Spackman was a disaster. Yeah. Um, you know, we we bounced around with various people at the helm. You know, Willie Donachie settled the ship, got the job for a little while, and um, you know, we just about stayed up. Yeah. Um, Jacket struggled in his first year. But it, took, um, it took a while to get get the the governor's squad, yeah, yeah, to build that. It, it and takes even, a long time to turn things sometimes. Even then, it was by the lot, not the lottery. It's it's it's, it's a cup tie. Um, the, the playoff process is essentially a cup cup tie process, yeah. um, where where luck plays its part, doesn't it? I mean, it's the, whereas the league evens out luck over the forty six game program, the the playoffs reward or take away based on one bump in the Wembley pitch, you know. So, you know, it's... uh, I, I think just to sum up, I mean, I, I, I think it's a, it is an opportunity for him. I think that, it, that the risks in the, in the club sense, I suppose, are less in, in that direction. In the, as you said earlier on, another ambitious manager that fucks up. You know, we, we really are staring down the barrel financially, whereas Neil does yeah. offer, I don't know, a, a less risky, cheaper, 
chance of at least breaking even in, in League One. Yeah, because I mean, this budget is going to have to be slashed dramatically. There's, there's no doubt about it. So a, a combination of, of, of sort of you know journeymen and and um, you know young kids coming through, and, and we do have some good kids coming through. I mean, how many of them can play together? I don't know. No. But you know, if, it's not inconceivable we could be starting next season with you know Sid Nelson at the back, um, Jack Powell in midfield, Fred. You know, playing a little bit ahead of them. Yeah. Um. You know, Aidan O'Brien up there. Yeah. Um. You know, whether there's any chance John Marquis will come back. Now I don't know. Now that Holloway's gone. Um. That's Who a question knows? For someone else. Someone else. Maybe we get Bongo on the show. He might. Yeah. Know, he might know um, the answer to that one. You know. So so we could start next season with four or five kids, and then the argument for keeping Holder done and Abdu probably strengthens. Yeah. Um. You know, there, there there has been some sort of suggestions done as being a bit of a up-and-down influence over the last few years. Um, whether that's true or not, I don't know. I mean, there's been all sorts of rumours. Um, but if anyone's going to manage him, is it Neil Harris? Because he knows him. No, um, known him years. I mean, he, in fact, Harris was a senior player when Dunn first arrived, wasn't yeah. he? So, so, you know... You know that... so, so, who's to say that that's... You know, we're talking about wholesale changes. Maybe there won't be quite so many changes. No. You know, Upson's still a good player at that level. If Williams stays and gains his confidence back, um, Lee Gregory might develop as the striker we want in, in League One as opposed to the Championship. Well, he's been he's been an enigma, Lee Gregory, this season. I was just I was going to mention him when when you were you know mentioning other names and if he can come good in League One, he's proven himself in conference level, which I know is a different ballpark. But um, you know, if we can get something out of him, some value from that quarter of a million we've paid for him, if he is in League One, then then so be it. Well, I see a lot of Morrison in him. Yeah. And people, you know, have to remember Morrison took a long time to get going. Yeah. Um, in a, in a team that was much more confident. Indeed, and I always felt with Morrison, his problem came when he had chance to think, uh, you know, time to think. About Overthink it, yeah, yeah, indeed. And hit something instinctively, and I think Gregory could be that similar sort of player. You know, give him a one-on-one, and his confidence isn't there. He, he may will miss it, but but he might be one that you know sticks one in from the edge of the box on a you know on the half volley on the turn or something. Is it'd be interesting to see. If he stays, because there's rumours that he's not necessarily, or his wife's not necessarily happily and might want to go back up north. But yeah, yeah. it's interesting to see if he can develop into that player that we we want. And but yeah, I mean, I think if yeah, my, my my gut instinct is if we see three more wins this season, I think it's Harris's job. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. <clears throat> do you make that? Do you, I mean, just to sum it all up, is, is, I've got a yes or no to Neil Harris. Would would he be your choice in this current situation, Derek? He wouldn't be my choice um, at the moment because I think I'd rather see him learn a bit more. Yeah. But I would rather have him than 99% of other managers that are out there. Including Ian Holloway. Uh, well, you know, I, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that, that there's a lot of reasons that he would be the right appointment for the club now. And if I was John, John Berylson, I'd be praying for him to get four or five wins to make sure that when he's given the job full time in the summer, no one can have a moan about it. No. Because I think the, like I say, the risks of getting it wrong again are, to me, you know, they're, they're really quite worrying. Too steep. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. You know. Yeah, that's fantastic. Brim. Thanks for coming on the show, Derek. Appreciate your no. time, mate. Pleasure, Nick. I'll speak Pleasure, to you very Nick. soon, all right, mate. 
quite simply, uh, Mill still recovering from the news this morning that Ian Holloway has left. The players arrived about 10 o'clock this morning. Neil Harris uh, got here. He's already a first team coach, of course. He got here just a short time before that. And as you say, this, these statistics in terms of Ian Holloway's record this season speak for themselves. Seven wins from 36 games, no wins at home since October the 25th, eight points. Gentlemen, the time on a Bermondsey reaction to this kind of bitter pill is to take the taste away of a proper old piss-up. And what better place to do that than in Antwerp, Belgium, where they know a thing or two about beers. Now, not many know it, but there are extensive links between Belgium and Millwall. Indeed, there's a group of regular visitors to the den from Antwerp, where their local football club, Royal Antwerp, is in financial trouble and is actually in danger of losing its football licence. Hence the fantastic efforts of Lions fan Joe Pizarro, in organising a supporters-friendly match in Antwerp between Royal Antwerp fans and Millwall fans. This is going to take place on May the 17th in Antwerp, and Joe is arranging for travel and accommodation for both players and spectators to help our Belgian friends out in their hour of need. Now, if you're interested in travelling over to play, watch, or just drink whole garden beer, please get in touch with Joe at j.pizarro1981 at hotmail.com. Now, that's spelt J. Pizarro, that's P-I-Z-A-R-R-O, 1981, at hotmail.com. Joe wants to hear from you. You've been listening to Octoon Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here.